out congregational letters. There'll be a link in there. You click on the link, calendar comes up, put your name in a slot, and you pray for 30 minutes a day. Um, today is a really special day because um, the Mims family, Mims, have been with us for six years. They are one of the most precious families I've ever known in my life. They love Jesus with all their heart. They serve, they sacrifice. And uh, Shane, in particular, has been seeking the Lord for over a decade on what he really believes God has called him to do, and that is to be in ministry full-time, to be a pastor. And it just did not look like it was going to happen. And he was frustrated, but he was trusting the Lord. He had opportunities that he passed up because he just knew even though they were lucrative opportunities, he just felt like it wasn't God. God had something for us, but there was just nothing on the horizon. And then all of a sudden, God came through and an opportunity opened up and he, knew, he and Christy knew it was the Lord. And so today is going to be the last day with us here at the Gathering Place Church. And we're going to send them to North Carolina to be pastors of a small church out there. And uh, they are excited maybe a little trepidatious, uh, but I just want to say, Shane, that we are going to miss you guys so much. You are such good people. And so uh, we're going to have Shane come up and bring the Word of God to us today. Then we're going to pray over them. We're going to dedicate your young one, and then we're going to kick you out, and you're going to go across the country to bring Jesus to people who need to hear about Him. Amen? Let's welcome Shane Mims. Man, this is exciting. It's good to be here. It's good to be in church, right? Yes. Aren't you glad you didn't miss this this morning? There's an energy in here and an excitement in here. I also want to say welcome to our folks that are online. I know a lot of you are watching from wherever you are. That's one of the things I think the pandemic has done for us is it's forced us to figure out other ways to be able to reach out to people. And we've perfected that in a lot of ways. Kobe's had a lot to do with that. Chris has had a lot to do with that. Josh, everybody's poured a lot of energy into making sure we reach outside of these four walls. So it's really exciting to be here. And something occurred to me. As I was walking up right now, um, we're all different, right? We all come from different walks of life. We have different careers. We have different businesses. We've got different sized families. Some of us are moving across the country. Some of us are not. Uh, but then I realized that we all do have one thing in common. And that, yes. Okay, two things. Let's say two things. <laughs> um, the other thing that we have in common is that none of us have any idea what I am about to say right now. <laughs> and some of you will get that a little bit later, but I, uh, I also realized that in life, doesn't it feel like sometimes things just take longer than they should? It just takes forever to get through things. And, um, generally though, we find that it's worth the wait. So very similar to my two hour sermon I'm about to bring you, it's going to take a, <laughs> You know, my dad always taught me that you got to start with a good joke. And I had one worked up about toilet paper and this whole thing. And Christy said, you cannot, you are, you are not allowed. So, <laughs> um, I, I just, I do want to say though, how grateful I am to be standing here right now. Um, it really is humbling and it is an honor to be here. I, I want to say thank you to pastor John and to Mark and to Josh for trusting me enough to stand here and bring a word to you today. Uh, I think we are blessed to have some of the best teaching and preaching that you can have. And so for me to just be in that group of people is a real honor. So thank you. Thank you. As John said, Christy and I have been in this church for six years and we found it like a lot of other people do. We Googled spirit filled church. We checked it out. We knew it was the right thing. And it occurred to us that we found the church in about June of 2016. So we've been here right about six years. Exactly. So I thought I'd take just a quick second and give you a couple highlights of what's happened for us while we've been here. First of all, we've dedicated two and in about an hour or whenever that is, we'll dedicate a third child, two of which were born while we've been here, uh, which has been amazing. Uh, during the times that the two kiddos were born, um, this church has blessed us in major ways. You brought us meals. Um, you organized that diaper campaign where for Preston, we did not have to buy diapers for almost a year and a half. We didn't have to go to the store. Uh, for Gabriel, it was about six months, but that's because we, we were going through diapers at a double pace at that point, but it was still a blessing. So thank you for that. In 2017, some of you might remember, I had a weird medical thing where I couldn't walk for like three days. 
And uh, again, this church brought us meals to help through that process, helped with the kiddos while Christy was sitting up at the hospital with me laying there trying to figure out what was going on. They never figured out, by the way. They never really came across. But I woke up on Sunday morning and uh, there was a handful of people from this church that were standing at the foot of the bed praying over me. That was a blessing. I'm not even going to apologize for this. It is the way I'm wired. I came prepared. <laughs> Just is what it is. Uh, let's see. Um, one of the things that we have learned from Mark and John in particular is how to hear from God, how to understand, how to decipher the spirit, how to take a word from God, how to receive a word and go give it to somebody else. And we've been able to do that and make an impact on other people. And so we have learned that someone in this church also blessed us by sponsoring us into uh, Dave Ramsey's financial peace course, uh, in 2018 revolutionized our finances for us. But also that group of people at Jeff and Marsha's house uh, were some of the biggest supporters and encouragers and people praying for us when we were wrestling with the decision if I was going to go to grad school or not and finish my, uh, do a master's degree, which we're going to talk about in just a couple minutes. Uh, let's see. Oh, it says Josh. I just, I, I want to say that the, the opportunity to be a part of your worship team has been a blessing to get to do that. Um, you have such an anointing and a sweet, I love the word sweet, whoever said that earlier, sweet spirit of worship. This church is blessed to have you. And I, yeah. and then finally the marriage group, gosh, where do I begin on that? Phil Fredo. Phil's Pizzeria. Some of y'all know very much what I'm talking about, right? Uh, a group of people that have just been encouraging us and lifting us up, praying for us uh, through the six years, through our journey, um, and who have walked with us through this journey and, and that I'm about to share with you to tell you about it. Our usual pattern up to this point, up to San Diego, has been that we'd go to a place for about two years and then we'd move on to somewhere else. Um, now, I'm not going to mention David and Jeanette by name, but there is a couple in this church that was praying for us that we would break that cycle and stay longer. So I guess you can blame them a little bit for us still being here. Um, those are just a few of the highlights, I guess you could say. We could talk for a long time about how that works, but I just um, want to start here. I just want to say that I'm a broken man, just like every one of us. And I do not believe that I have arrived. I don't believe I will ever arrive until I'm standing face to face with Jesus. That's okay with me. We're all a work in progress. Um, what I'm going to do here over the next few minutes is I'm going to share our story and how we got to where we are and what is happening in our lives. And it's my hope that, um, you can grab a couple of points from this and be encouraged in something that you might be walking through right now, something that you're in that you can grab some of this. So I'm going to tell our story and then I'll give you a couple of challenge points of things that we've learned and hopefully we'll be encouraged. Our life verse for Christy and I. Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. And many of you have probably heard me say this. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish, accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. All generations. The NIV translation of this says, God is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine. That's why I titled this talk immeasurably more, because you're going to find out as the story is unfolding. And even as that continues after today, God is still doing immeasurably more with us and what is happening in our lives. Now, back at Easter, I was given the opportunity to do a monologue for you. I gave you Peter's perspective on the resurrection. And so I spent quite a bit of time with Peter uh, during that time, trying to, to get prepared for that. And I realized I can connect with Peter in a lot of ways. I think we all can. Uh, and I could stand here for a couple of hours and tell you all about that. But I figured maybe I will just show you a little video clip and hopefully you'll understand what I mean. Chris, please. Put that down for a catch. A little farther out. Uh, I don't have a quarrel with you, teacher. We've been doing this all night. Nothing. All right. That's your word.
Anybody in here able to relate a little bit with what you just saw? Sometimes God or Jesus will ask us to do something that we are not really interested in. And we have our good excuses for why we shouldn't do that. We've been doing this all night. We've caught nothing. And the stare battle, that was my favorite. Uh, You know, the reality in some of those moments for us, just like what happened with Peter, is that Jesus is still going to show up. In fact, sometimes he's going to show up and he's going to give us and bless us with more than we can handle took five people to get that net out of the water. And that's what really we're going to talk about. Um, This leads me mostly to our story and how we got here. I know some of you have heard this and some of you have heard me tell this story and it took about an hour and a half to do and I have condensed it quite a bit. So thank you for your patience on that. Uh, But Christy and I were married in 2006. We got married on a Saturday in Rapid City, South Dakota. And the following Tuesday morning, we caught a plane and moved to New York City. Uh, I went to an acting conservatory in New York. Christy was working for a financial firm. Uh, that's how we started our marriage three days after we got married. We were, uh, I had sublet an apartment from a friend who was out on a national tour. She was going to be gone for three months. We thought it would be a good scenario for us to stay in this place to, until we could find where we wanted to be. About a week after we got there, she decided to leave the tour and she came back and said, it's okay. You sign a contract. You guys can stay here for the whole three months. So here we were sharing a studio, a hotel room, essentially with a third person we just got married. Uh, We ended up finding a place, whatever that might be. Uh, I finished up acting school. We spent five years in New York City, and I worked a lot as an actor. That was what um, I knew I was created to do, that some things. In fact, um, as you were watching that video clip, I I love how these kind of things happen in in my industry. Um, The guy Matthew in the white that you saw there, his name's Paris. Uh, We were in an acting class together. We spent a lot of time together. So it was really exciting. I I texted him and I was like, hey, this is so cool. I watched you on a video today. Uh, 2008 was an amazing year for me. I worked for 10 months that year as an actor. It's about all you can ask for. made about $9,700. That's not what you can ask for, but it is what it is. Uh, I did a national tour. I worked on local and regional theaters. Um, I did a soap opera. Anybody happen to watch As the World Turns on September 30th, 2008? (laughs) That was me. You want to tell me what happened here? Uh, It was the one where James died the first time of three, apparently, but he fell out of a lighthouse and I was the first cop to arrive in whatever it is, what it is. 2009, right around that time, the uh, financial crisis was happening in the housing. Christy worked for a financial firm. She managed to survive two rounds of layoffs uh, during that time, but in the third round, she didn't. So she was laid off from her job towards the end of 2009, which um, I, I am grateful to say that during my time in New York, our time in New York, uh, I, I didn't, I worked as an actor. I didn't really have a job. Christy did all the working for us and provided for us. And I know she's in there with Preston and Gabriel somewhere. And I'm just saying out loud that I'm grateful that she was willing to do that. 
2010, we started to realize that maybe it's time for us to make a change. Maybe the Lord was prompting in our hearts that it's time to make a change. Uh, we thought we'd want to get out of the city, but we didn't know where we wanted to go. So we planned our road trip. We knew people in Nashville and Dallas and Denver and a few other places we were thinking about. And we said, let's go on a road trip for three months. We'll spend a couple of weeks in each of those places. And at the end of the three months, we will decide where we're going to live. Sounds like a good idea, right? I flew to Texas to pick up a vehicle for my parents because we lived in New York. We didn't have a vehicle. So I was driving all the way back up to New York to pick up Christy so we could start our trip. I made a stop in Tennessee outside of Knoxville with a mutual friend. We were doing some business at the time. So I stopped there to help him for a couple of days. And our journey out of the city was also, um, I was starting to feel a little bit burned out as an actor. I was really worn out. I was thinking, I'm going to take a break from being an actor and we're going to move on. We're going to find something else to do. It's just time to go to the next chapter. And as I'm standing there, we get in the parking lot. Um, this, his name is Josh. Uh, and in Josh's place, we're standing in the parking lot late at night. And um, there's a couple of guys that arrived that were in a show in town. One of which is his name was David Sanborn. And David was playing Jesus in the local show. And, uh, and I said, so David, how, how do you like doing the show? He'd been doing it for about three years. And he said, it's good, but I'm, I'm leaving. He says, and I also hear you're an actor and you should audition. I'm standing in this parking lot, having an argument with God in my head. Cause I will call it that I'm not afraid of like, God. I'm trying to leave New York cause I want to take a break from being an actor. What is going on? And I was like, no, that's okay. Thank you. And uh, God wouldn't let it go away. So over the next couple of days, I just sat in that and it marinated and it marinated and marinated. And finally I said, okay, I'll go take a look. I'll go watch the show and see what it is. And let's see what's happening. Went and watched the show, was incredibly moved, had an opportunity to meet with a couple of folks uh, there at the theater, sang for them. And one of the things that stuck out to me the most, they said that uh, they had been praying for somebody to replace David. And that they felt like they'd gotten a word from someone that God was just going to send someone to them. I was like, okay. Now, I, I'm telling you this because God is showing up and he's doing things in our lives and we have no idea. We have no idea this is happening. And that was the beginning of a 12-year process that got us to today. Uh, so... I said, yes, absolutely. At the time, it was the largest contract I'd ever been offered as an actor. Uh, it was an incredible opportunity. I was 33 years old and going to spend a, at least a year playing Jesus. Uh, I died twice a day some days. Um, <laughs> it was exhausting. I am not going to lie. But we got down there. We got plugged into a church down there. Uh, we made some wonderful friends. It was a beautiful thing for us. We spent a year there. We loved it. It was out in the Smoky Mountains. Some of you may know Gatlinburg, Pigeon Forge, Sevierville, Tennessee. And that is where uh, we ended up at. We got plugged into a church. Now, we found out right towards the end of the first year, about eight months in, oh, hey, the show's going to close in about four weeks. Uh, so we're sorry, but good luck to everybody. We had a few more weeks of shows, and as that was winding down, Pastor Brent at our church there in Pathways said, so have you ever considered full-time ministry? And the answer to that question is, most of my life I've known that that's what I was supposed to be doing, and Christy will tell you that she and her mom used to talk about that before we even got married, that I was going to end up being in ministry at some point, um, but none of us knew what that looked like. But I played in my head really quickly the conversation that said, well, if I say yes, Brent's going to ask me to stop trying to be an actor and give up all that other stuff so I could work at the church. So I looked at him and I said, no. <laughs> the, it's funny because when I talked to Brent about a month ago, he said, you know, I don't remember that specific conversation, but that's about how it would have gone if we would have been talking about it. Uh, I wasn't ready at that point. I thought I had my own plans. I knew exactly what I was supposed to be doing. We ended up uh, in Branson, Missouri. I was working for a company called Sight and Sound Theaters, which brings, um, brings the Bible to life, these big, huge, lavish productions, uh, uh, Bible stories. I was doing Joseph, that story, um, and uh, playing one of the brothers. It was, it was a good time. We were there for two years. But specifically what was happening during that two years, on Tuesday nights, I would meet with a couple of guys. We'd get together at our dinner break, and we'd just read some scripture and talk about what it meant for us. And at some point in that first six months or so after we'd left Tennessee and got into Missouri, I said out loud, you know, I, I really feel like Tennessee's kind of like Nineveh for us. And I don't mean that in the sense of it's somewhere that we're supposed to go that I'm saying, no way. It's just that where God is asking us to go, to Tennessee, to Nineveh. Uh, 
I didn't know what that looked like. None of us knew what it, and we just sort of moved on. Now, that never went away. That thought was still there. Uh, it's happened. I've had conversations with people a lot over the last 10 years. And then also, uh, the other part about it is the conversation that I was having. Uh, well, okay, we'll call it argument with God, where God was gently reminding me, I know you have plans, but if you will let me design it, I'm, I'm going to make it so much better than you could do on your own. I am going, I know what you want to do. I put the desires in your heart. I know who you are. I created you. And if you let me handle it, it's going to be better than you think you're going to be able to figure out on your own. Oh, and for almost 10 years, this was continuing to happen between feeling like Nineveh and Christy says, yeah, we moved to California, which is the farthest place away from Tennessee that you can get, which is, you know, Tarsh, Tarsh, whatever that place. Uh, so that has continued to go. Well, fast forward to 2018. You know, there's an important part of the story I don't want to leave out. 2015, we moved to Burbank. We were up in Burbank. We were there for about two years. Again, Christy got laid off from her job and I was working at Warner Brothers. I was a VIP tour guide. I loved it. Probably my favorite job that I'd ever had up to this point. Uh, but $14 an hour was not going to cut it on a family of four because it was just four of us at the time. We found ourselves in such a place we couldn't pay our rent. Um, my dad wrote a check for us one month. My buddy Gabe wrote a check for us one month to help us out. And we were in a position where we, we, don't, we can't pay the rent anymore. We can't do this. I was driving like 60 hours a week for Uber just trying to make the ends meet. And uh, at, we went to the apartment company. We had about four months left on the lease. And we said, look, we, we don't know what we can do. We can't pay anymore. We're really sorry. And they said, you know, it's funny. We have another house where the state has come in and said, you need to do this particular work or this house is going to be condemned. So we need to find a place for these people to live. So if you just want to go, we'll just put them in and you're out of the lease. Again, God's showing up in ways that you wouldn't expect. But we were so broke that we made a decision. Christy took the two girls to South Dakota and slept at her parents' house for about six months. It was not a separation that we weren't getting along. It was a separation that we could not afford to do what we were doing. At the same time, I got offered a job at the Welk Resorts up here selling timeshares. And somebody was letting me sleep on a couch and I was kind of couch surfing in air mattresses trying to get that going to get enough income to get us together. So we're living life at a distance. The girls are about two and four at the time. And come about five, six months later, it's March of 2016. Christy says, uh, it's time. You know, we agreed. It's time for us to get back in the same place. She said, how much money do you think we need to be able to make it work? And I, I don't, maybe her parents were thinking about helping us out a little bit or something. And, um, I said, well, to get into an apartment, to have a little bit of extra cash, those sorts of things. We, uh, seven grand, uh, seven grand. Two weeks later, I got my bonus check selling timeshares. I know we're bad people. It is what it is. <laughs> How many of you want to take a guess at how much my bonus was for? 7000 Exactly. $7,000. God showed up. He knew exactly what we needed in that moment. Two weeks later, we were back together in the same place. And here we were in San Diego. And we found the church not long after that. Now, when we lived in Tennessee the first time, I had started to consider going to grad school because I thought, I want to teach at the college level. I want to teach acting and theater at the college level, and I have to have a master's degree to do that. Looking at programs, I missed a lot of deadlines. It's, it's, it's the spring of 2018, and um, I had talked to some people about a program here at SDSU. They have a, a musical theater emphasis program where they teach the teachers. It wasn't a performance program. It was, we're preparing the next level of educators. And I was like, that's a great program. But I missed all the audition deadlines. Well, randomly, I got a call at some point and said, hey, we uh, heard you might want to come to school here. We'd like to talk to you. Now, some of you don't know this story. Uh, so I went in, had a meeting with them, sang for them, talked with them, and they said, okay, um, we think this is the right program for you. We'd like to offer you a full scholarship to come here if you would like to go through this program for two years and do that. Again... We, we couldn't help but say yes because God was doing something. That I, had never, I had not applied. I had nothing. It is what it is. And God was doing what God was doing. So I started this, and we knew at that point, so uh, spring 2018, we knew I'm going to graduate in 2020, and I'm going to get a job somewhere in the country, and we're going to move, and I'm going to start teaching, and that's what our life is. So we were preparing mentally for time of transition in 2018. Going through school, as we know what happened in the spring of 2020, COVID hits, we finish up school. We did graduate, six weeks left. Uh, we graduated, and while I was in school, I started applying for jobs. 
applying for jobs all over the country, everywhere from right here locally to um, uh, some town in Michigan that half the town's in Michigan and half of it's in Canada. I mean, everywhere, Buffalo, New York, anywhere that you could think of, we were, I was applying to. 90 applications. Four interviews. Now, I had to remind myself at the time, what's happening with the pandemic right now has no bearing on my ability as an educator. That is something that I can't do anything about. And what's happening with the hiring and freezes and all the stuff that's happening. I'll talk about that a little bit more in just a second. But that, that's, we, for the last two and a half years, I've been applying to jobs, almost 100 jobs, and almost nothing happening during that time. So about a year ago, Christy and I started talking about, okay, well, maybe Abraham and Lot kind of scenario. We just need to choose somewhere. You go east and we'll go west. You go west, we'll go east, and then God will bless that. So where would that be? We started talking about where we might want to live and going back to LA, maybe going to Dallas because there's a lot of opportunity as an actor there. And she said, well, what, maybe Nashville. And then we started talking about Tennessee where we used to live. And when, backing up to when we used to live there, when we found out the theater was closing, I had some conversations with a few folks that maybe wouldn't it be so cool if we owned this theater and we put on our own shows, but then we also had like an academy where we could teach people and we could do classes. This conversation was happening in 2011. So Christy said, well, you know what? Let's just have some focused conversations about it. Let's talk to some people. I was talking, I stayed in contact with several folks back there and I got to a couple of different people and they said, well, there's a tremendous need. Nobody's teaching around here. The high school programs are horrible. So nobody's learning. All of the local shows like Dollywood and everything that's happening is always looking for people, but they don't have anybody. So there's a need for that here. And they said, you should talk to this person. So then I talked to this person. I said, you should talk to this person. And everybody was pointing to one particular person, uh, my buddy, Matt Samuel, who I was in the show with back in Tennessee. So I call up Matt and I said, look, here's my vision. We're considering coming back to Tennessee and here's what we're thinking. And I just want to get your thoughts and your insight. And he said to them, and that's really interesting stuff. You got my wheels turning. Let's talk again in a couple weeks. So we were having a conversation about an arts academy and this sort of a thing. Uh, and it turns out that the church where he's now working, which was our old church, just bought land and they're about to build a new building. And they've been discussing what to do with the old building when, it's, when they transition. And he said, you know, one of the things that we've talked about is maybe an arts academy of some sort. Okay, sure, whatever. Uh, he calls back a couple of weeks later. He says, listen, I know this might be a little bit of a curveball, but... Uh, we launched a second campus in Greensboro, North Carolina, and it has struggled through COVID and we need help. Would it be something, would you be interested in maybe going over there and helping be pastors at that church? And I told Matt, I said, listen, what we're learning with, about God right now is nothing is a curveball. We just are learning to say yes to God right now. Not God, if you line it up in six months and it makes sense, we'll say yes at that point. It's no, what are you doing right now? And we can say yes to, and then we'll go from there. So they said, well, we want you to come out, spend a weekend with us. They flew me out a week later, spent the weekend with them. Short version of the, that part of the story is it was amazing. I went in and out of people's offices, uh, talking with the different folks that work in the church. Uh, the first thing that caught my attention was that all of them had their Bibles open and they had their journals out and they were all in the word. That was huge to me. Uh, the second thing was how everybody embraced me. And we hadn't been in that church in more than 10 years and everybody acted like I was just gone two weeks ago. The third was I got to sit in on their creative meeting and I looked around the room and every person except for Matt, who's only been on staff for five years, uh, would have been in that room 12 years ago when we lived there, which told me a lot about people love to be there. They love to be a part of what's happening there. Long story short, shorter, longer, whatever. Uh, Basically, Brent said, look, the, it, the, if you want the job, the job is yours. Here's what we're offering. There's a salary package. Um, we'll, we'll give Christy some money if she wants to help out with some of the kids and do some of that. We'll give her a little bit of money. Um, there is a housing allowance. We're going to take care of your living uh, expenses. Um, the insurance plan that we have is 100% covered. You don't even have a copay. I'm just listening, again, immeasurably more. Going down the list of all the things that they had to offer. And we just knew because... I, I, 10 years ago when I said, I feel like that's Nineveh for us. We just knew that that's where we were supposed to go. And it was all I could do to not say yes at that moment. But I was like, I'm going to talk to Christy about this and I'll tell you, we'll talk later. <laughs> now, let me tell you about a, 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 a word that we got from Dennis Rainier of, uh, a couple months ago when he was here. We went to Dennis and we said, Dennis, we've been in a time of transition. We'd just like to ask you to pray for us. And Dennis's word was essentially... Yes, you're in a time of transition, 
But the Lord says, don't hurry. People get in a time of transition and they mess it up. Don't hurry. I will give you a green light. Uh, I see something in uh, working with kids and um, I see something in... uh, uh, maybe other nations. I see something in, in business and an opportunity, but also in ministry, uh, which is like an arts academy and all that kind of stuff. But this, was, this, this prayer from Dennis was happening before all these conversations got serious. Uh, and then the last thing that he said was, um, I also see a relationship. There's a relationship there that's going to speed everything up. It's going to make everything go faster than if it would have happened the original way, which it occurred to me later on that that happened because I didn't go through a regular pastoral interview process. Essentially, it was, would you be interested? Yes, I would. Okay, you can have the job. Um, So everything that Dennis had to say has come to fruition there. And there's other words that have happened over the last um, uh, couple of years that that didn't make any sense at the time. One of them was from you five years ago, Mark, uh, that clicked and made sense with all of this. Every conversation that we've gotten words about over the last five years, all of a sudden pointed and made sense right here with this decision to go to Pathways Church. So that we said yes. Uh, and then, and then Brent said, oh, and, um, I'll go ahead and take care of your moving costs. We'll pay for you to come out here. Now we've been saving a bunch of money for the last year and a half, knowing we were going to move and expecting to have to use all of that money to move with. And again, God showing up and saying you, that's going to be for something else, whatever that might be. So we said, yes, we are on our, we literally on our way today. We're going to have lunch and then we are going that way and starting our drive and we will be there nine days from now. So, uh, it's a very exciting thing for us. God has continued to show up even at times when we weren't expecting it and didn't know it. Now, let me get to kind of the good stuff. Really, that was the good stuff. But what I want to talk about is a couple of the challenge points of things that Christy and I have learned along the way. Hopefully, that's what I want to encourage you with, that we're all going through something. I've told a lot of people over the last few weeks that... I'm still surprised every time I see God do something like this. Seven grand on the bonus, uh, the thing with the house up in Burbank, the the opportunities, everything that's happening. Um, And I shouldn't be surprised every time because that's what God has done. He's shown up too many times in my life and too many times in the people around me for me to be surprised. And then I say, but wait a second, I don't ever want to lose the awe that God is capable of doing that. So I want to make sure that I'm leaning into that too. So here are my challenge points for you as we walk away with this, and we're going to break these down just a little bit. The first one is, I like to do weird things like this, evaluate your plugins. The second one is examine your worship. The third one, escalate your faith. See what I did with the E's there? Evaluate your plugins, examine your worship, escalate your faith. Uh, thank you, Chris, for all the work getting all this put together. I really appreciate that. I know Josh had some too. So let's talk about this. Are you plugged in? And I mean this in two different senses, okay? Uh, the first one is the obvious power source. That's God. We, we know that. When we make that decision to enter in a relationship with Jesus, we have access to a kind of power that is immeasurably more than any of us could ever ask or imagine, period. That's what it is. Let me try putting it this way. Uh, you're hearing me right now because of this box right over here. This box is plugged into the wall and it's amplifying what I'm saying to you. Now, if I go over here and I unplug this, not only will I make Jerry and Corvin very, very upset, uh, I will also unplug it and you won't be able to hear me as well. doesn't mean you won't hear me. It just means you won't be able to hear me quite as well as it is. This unit amplifies the sound. All I have to do is show up and you hear more of what's going on. I do what I do and you hear it. By the way, Corvin, Jerry, best sound guys in the business. I think we should recognize them for a second. Let me try to put this in a little more practical way that most of us can relate to. I want you to just picture for a second that Will Hoyt has called you up and invited you over because he is going to custom build you a desk that is everything in your life that you thought you ever needed or wanted. And you pull up in front of that gorgeous home and you open the door and get out and you are immediately overcome by the aroma of the meat that he has been smoking for hours in anticipation of you coming over there. And he's standing with the garage open and there's Will standing there with the biggest smile you have ever seen. This is just a story, remember. Um, in anticipation of you coming there. He invites you in. He says, choose the kind of wood that you want. Let's choose the stain color that you want. And he says, why don't you help me build it? 
Okay. So you design the plans. You're ready to go. He takes out the first piece of wood. He's ready to cut it. He sets it on his $10,000 table saw. Fancy, fancy, fancy. You're blown away because you've never seen anything like this before. And he goes to start. He presses the pedal or however you do it. And it doesn't work. All this fancy equipment and nothing is happening. And quickly you realize, plug it in. It's not plugged in. Now here's the point. Everything can look really good, but if we're not plugged into the power source, it's not going to work the way it's supposed to. And isn't this just like our lives? We are given gifts and we are given tools that God has given us and provided for us. But if we don't stay connected to God, we're not going to use them properly. We can't become who we're supposed to be if we're not staying connected to God. Read all about it, loaves and fish in John 6. Read all about it in the talents, the story of the talents in Matthew 25. Uh, If we don't plug into the ultimate power source and use them properly in our lives, listen, we all have the gifts. Some of us run businesses. Some of us take photos for a living. Some of us are organized, whatever it might be. Adrena prays. Uh, We know that. Phil cooks. Come on. Christina prays. I mean, she's kept a prayer journal all the time that we've been in marriage group and we've been able to look back for everyone in that group and go, oh, there's God, there's God, there's God. It's a beautiful thing. The first thing that we tend to do though is we tend to put our tools away and we don't use them properly. So that's the first thing that I want to say. Stay plugged into God so that you can have an understanding of how to use your tools. Now your tools also have a manual. Your life has a manual. It is right here. The word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. Psalms 119. This book right here is alive. It's relevant. It's active. And I can assure you that whatever it is that you're walking through right now, you can find something in this book to help you cope, to encourage you, to lift you up, to give you some guidebook to get through it. This. Let's look at Paul's words in Romans. Such things were written in the scriptures long ago to teach us. And the scriptures gave us hope and encouragement. And they don't gave, they give. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises to be fulfilled. You can find those kinds of verses all over this book. And if you haven't picked it up and read it, fascinating read. Fascinating read. Spoiler alert. Yes, he dies, but he comes back. Okay. I just want to say that you've got to stay plugged into the Word of God daily. You've got to get in there. You've got to find refuge in this book right here because it's going to help you get through whatever it is that you're walking through. I bought a piece of recording equipment a few years ago, and instantly once I opened it up, I knew how to do about 12% of what you could do with it. I knew how to press record and do some things, uh, and that was about it. That's a lot of times what happens with us. We accept Jesus and we start a relationship with Jesus and we know that we're going to go to heaven in the end. But that's about as much as we know how to do. We got to read the manual for the rest. If I read the manual to that recording software, I can maximize it for what it's for. To be who God created us to be. So stay connected to God in prayer and in the word daily. That's your ultimate power source. Now the second half of staying plugged in that I want to talk about is you are here right now. Are you plugged in? Now, I am not talking about specifically in the church. I'm talking about whatever area of your life you are in. Are you plugged in and diving in and being the best version of yourself in that moment? Because that is one way that we represent who God is in our lives. I'd like to think Joseph probably has a little something to say about this. Let me just give you a a quick verse. One night, Joseph had a dream and promptly reported the details to his brothers, causing them to hate him even more. Now, let me just give you just a drip of context here for a second. Joseph was one of 12 brothers. His father regularly lavished him with gifts and made him feel like he was his favorite, and his brothers resented him for this. So when Joseph said, you're all going to bow to me, that didn't sit real well with them. If you want to understand more of that story, Genesis 37 through 50, there's a lot there to read. We're not going to spend time in that. But Joseph was given a dream and a vision from God, and he knew exactly what he was going to do with his life. Now, there were a lot of details that Joseph didn't understand yet. But I'll tell you, that didn't stop him from getting on social media and telling everybody that they were going to be bowing to him, which is what he would have done if it existed back then, okay? Uh, And it took some time for those dreams to come to fruition. It didn't pass for a long time. And it didn't even look the way that Joseph thought it was going to look. He had his own version of what it was going to look like, but God was at work in his life. What I think a lot of people fail to understand in this particular story is not that Joseph had a dream and God blessed him with that. It's that 
Joseph had to embrace where he was in each moment. If Joseph wasn't being the best version and doing the best he could and pouring him whole self into what he was doing in that moment, it wouldn't lead to the next step and it wouldn't lead to the next step. So his obedience to God and his submission to what was happening, um, being a servant in Potiphar's house, uh, be, being in the prison and the things that he did in the prison, if he wasn't being the best version of him, the next things wouldn't have happened. Now it's really simple because you can imagine that Joseph would have got really frustrated. God, you gave me a vision. You gave me a vision. Where is it? What is happening? Where did it go? Joseph thought it, and we probably think it sometimes too. I know exactly what I'm supposed to be doing, and right now, this is not it. And we go through that. But we have to, Joseph had to recognize, we have to recognize in that moment that God has us where we are in that moment for a reason to, um, to teach us something. Maybe he's developing a skill set. Maybe he's working on our character. I've heard a lot of pastors over the years say something like, every assignment we're in is about character building. One of our former pastors, Pastor Billy, used to talk about how he had a roofing business before he was in ministry. And he spent time with two or three guys and he got to pray with them and encourage them and disciple them. And he says, you know, I didn't even know it, but that was pretty good training ground for what I ended up being as a senior pastor. And he's now he's a regional vice president of the Foursquare churches and he's mentoring and, and discipling pastors. But he was up on the roof talking to people, being trained for that, and God was teaching him how to do that. And God was giving him courage for that. What is he doing in your life, in your thing that you're doing right now that's training you and preparing for that? PB, we called him. Pastor Billy used to even talk about, uh, at one point, the AC on the top of the church building went out and Billy knew how to get up there and fix it. He didn't know it, but God was preparing him for that too. Um, just going to throw this out there. I spent a lot of years working with a multi-level marketing organization. One of the, and likely in Neeson, I learned a very particular set of skills. One of those was, thank you for laughing. Appreciate that. Um, one of those was how to organize and work with an army of volunteers can feel a little bit like herding cats sometimes. Do you agree? No. <laughs> Josh? Huh. Uh, I just want to say that, that I think that, listen, I didn't know it, but that's a skill set that is going to be very useful when I go and I'm working and pastoring a church and working with a lot of volunteers. Because of David and Jeanette, I said I wasn't going to mention them, but we stayed here a little longer than we anticipated. We decided to plug in. I've been a part of the worship team. Christy leads the Women's Testify Hour, which I've heard tremendous feedback about, and I hope you all continue to do that even after we're gone. Um, we've gotten involved in Set Up and Tear Down. We've been able to serve with the kids. We've done a lot of things because we said, you know what? This is where God has us right now, and we're going to pour in and give everything we have to right now until God tells us to go somewhere else. Now, we've known for four years we were going somewhere else. We just didn't know what it looked like. But we said, but we're still here until God says. So pour into that. Stay plugged in. Examine your worship. It's really easy to worship when things are going good, right? I heard somebody say a long time ago, you never know what's in a tea bag until you drop it in the hot water. If you want to understand somebody's relationship with God and what their worship looks like, put them through a trial and see what they do with it. I love that Josh said this scripture this morning. I will lift my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Are we still willing to lift our eyes to God when we don't understand what's happening and we don't get it and we're not comfortable in the situation that we're in? Are we still willing to look at God? This was definitely a challenging one for Christy and I and what we were going through. Four years we've been in this sort of wilderness of what's happening in our lives. And I will say, I, I just want to honor somebody. We have had an incredible example over the last few years that have taught us how to do this well. Have we not learned so much about the Ator family the last few years? Thank you for being an inspiration and setting the right example for us to know how to look at God through no matter what we are going through. We appreciate you so much. In my own life, 90 job applications, four interviews, one campus visit, but God had another plan and we just didn't understand it yet. And believe me, that was not always easy. There were times when I stood there and I said, God, W, T, H, what the heck, right? Because we don't say WTF in church, right? And there I just did. Okay. Um, 
David would do a little bit of that too, wouldn't he? We can see it all through the kind of sort of split personality that David was about trusting God over here and then questioning God over here. And, you know, you can imagine what David, he was the king, so he thought he could do whatever he wanted to. You imagine David, he's just sitting up on the roof one day and he's hanging out and he's like, whoa, Iuga, bro, hottie, two o'clock. He, he was the king. He thought he could do whatever he wanted to do. He didn't need God. And so he would do that. And then moments later, he would be saying how much he needed God. But as for me, I will sing about your power. Each morning I will sing with joy and your unfailing love. For you have been my refuge, a place of safety when I am in distress. Now, all I'm trying to say here is that we all go through it. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Sometimes we have the answers we want and sometimes we don't. Are we willing to look up? I I also, just to piggyback a tiny bit, worship can also be about obedience, What is God asking of you to do? What is he asking for you to do? What's he asking for you to give up to him? What is he asking for you? I'm not saying everybody in this room is going to all of a sudden start packing and move across the country, but there's something in your life that you have to let go of. And we knew something else was happening. We just had to walk in faith in the sense of, okay, God, whatever you're doing, we trust you. Just please go before us and make that work. We know that whatever you're doing is the right thing for us. And we trust you. Constantly through all of that, God kept reminding me of Isaiah 43. Let me just read that to you because it's impactful. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I am going to do. Now, in context, forget the last 12 years and the arguments we've had with God and all the stuff. It's nothing compared to what I'm going to do. I'll design it better than you can design it, right? For I'm about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? No, I didn't see it. 12 years ago, but he's been doing it the whole time. I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. Now, Chris, leave that up for just a second for me, will you? I read this on the morning. So I was in Tennessee for the meetings for the few weekends, uh, for a few days. Monday morning, I was supposed to go in to have the talk. That's where we were. So I was in, in some time with the Lord in the morning and I was praying, Lord, if this is what you have for us, will you just make it unbelievably clear? The green light that Dennis talked about. And this is the scripture that Lord took me to. And, and continuing still today, God has been affirming along the way that this is the right move for us. And isn't that just like the God that we know that he, we read a verse a thousand times and it hits us in a new, fresh way. Here's what I mean. I have always read this, for I'm about to see something new. See, I've already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a, a way through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wasteland. That's how most of us would probably say it. This particular word right here jumped out at me that day, that morning. I'm on my way to work at Pathways Church. (laughs) Through the last several months, God has been telling me, if you just trust me, I will make a way. And that's Man, I can't even talk about that for a long enough time. So my encouragement to you is examine how you're worshiping through your trials. Because God is still there and he's still working. And the last one that I want to say is I want you to escalate your faith. PJ talked a few weeks ago, Pastor John, if you didn't get that connection, about evaluating our faith threshold. And I think this is probably the most key for us during this time. Let me share a scripture in Isaiah. For I hold you by your right hand, I the Lord your God, and I say to you, do not be afraid. I am here to help you. Let me just read a little small piece out of Mark. All right, we're winding down here. So I just want to encourage you with that. I did say Mark, right? There it is. Okay. As evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. He was already in the boat. So they started out leaving the crowds behind, although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm arose. High waves began to break into the boat until it was nearly full of water. Now, can you imagine? Our storms feel like that sometimes. Oh, I'm drowning. I might die from this. This is just overwhelming to me what is happening. Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a cushion. He was all comfy, cozy, chilling. Frantically, they woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you even care what we are going to drown? When he woke up, he rebuked the wind and he said to the water, Quiet down quit it. And suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. And he asked them, why are you so afraid? Do you not still have faith in me? 
And they were filled with awe and said among themselves, who is this man that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now, sometimes we think God isn't there when we're going through trials, but he is, and he's working. And God knows what you are going through, and he knows what you're dealing with, and he's there with you, and he's got a plan for taking care of it. And sometimes he's so comfortable with that plan, he's sleeping. And you're like, God, where are you? He's like, I got this. I got this. And so when I say I want you to escalate your faith to know that God has got this. When I was in the second grade, my parents put a pool in our backyard. And I used to play this game in the pool that was very much inspired by this. Take a look at this video. Come on, taste the taste of wetness. Take the nesty plunge. America's biggest selling instant tea is nesty. And just nine cents makes a whole quart. Don't forget it's the best wet yet. So taste the taste of wetness. Take the nesty plunge. That's good, Chris. You can stop that. There's, there's a couple more of those as they've progressed over the years, but who remembers this? Yeah, right? That's what I would, I would literally stand on the side of my pool and fall back like that. It was a fun time. It was in second, third, fourth grade. But here's the, here, I heard the best quote in relation to this. Doesn't prayer seem like a crazy trust exercise all the time? We know he will catch us, but we are still hesitant and unsure of falling back sometimes. Do you know who said that? My brilliant wife. Christy said that. Now, here's what I want to do. I want to make this very real for us, okay? And I'm going to ask for a volunteer. Thank you, Kenya. <laughs> Would you step up here for just a second? Now, is there anyone in this room that you trust more than anything else? Okay. Yeah, great. Elvis, thank you for volunteering. <laughs> nice to have you here. Okay, I'm going to need one more. Just stay right here for me. Let's see who else is here. Jeanette is still here, right? Who raised their hand? Okay, come on over. Just have a seat right here for just a second for me. Okay, will you all just step right here? We want to make sure that the online folks can see this too. Okay, so Elvis, stand right here. Kenya, thank you all for participating and volunteering to do this. We're going to do a traditional trust exercise. How many have seen this happen or done this before in your lives? Okay, um, you go ahead and have a seat. You relax. What's your name? Al. Al? Yeah. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Okay, uh, stand right here in front of Elvis. Now turn around. Tell her, I got this. I got you. Yeah. Do you know what's going to happen now? Okay, turn this way. Put your arms out. You're going to fall back and he's going to catch you. Okay, ready? On the count of three or whenever you want to go. Now remember, what did he just say? I got you. One, two, three. Yes. Yes. I'm so glad y'all were here because I've been planning that in my head for weeks. And if you wouldn't have been here, I don't know what I would have done. It would have been Mark up here or something. Okay, Al, do me a favor. Uh, stand up on this chair for me. You can do this. All right, Elvis. Tell him I got you. Now, listen, Al, for the purpose of this demonstration, I'm not going to ask you to fall backwards. Okay, you may step down. In fact, I'm gonna uh, thank you. Now, but here's the thing: it's very easy for Al to go. Well, wait, I'm up on a chair. My problem is different than hers. I have to fall farther. But did you not just see him catch her? So why would he not catch him? And that's who God is in our lives. That you're going through something, and He's got you. Y'all can sit down. Thank you very much. I want to finish this point. I'm almost done here. I'm going to finish this point because I think this is important. We're going into the time that we get to apply what we have learned, and hopefully this is where you get to be encouraged. It's really easy for us to go, I, my problem is too big, and God, nobody understands. I'm on a chair. She's on level ground. Nobody understands how different all of our issues are and how different all of our problems are. And this is what I want to affirm to you. But God, say that with me, but God, your problem is huge. And I'm going to admit to you, you can't handle it. It's way bigger than you can deal with. But God is bigger than that problem. 
God is bigger than what you are going through. What we have to do is we have to recognize it, we have to own it, and we have to admit it that we need Jesus. That whatever I'm going through, I can't do it by myself. And then maybe it's a financial thing. And maybe you're in, maybe you're in a court battle for your child. And it seems like you won't get the answers you want, but God is bigger. And maybe you're in a broken relationship and your marriage is struggling and you can't see a way out. But God, God is bigger than that. Maybe it's a health thing for you. Financial fears, your relationship with your kids. Cain sings a song that I love. Preston walks around the house singing it. Did he move every mountain? Did he part every sea? Yes, he did. And yes, he can. But God, I have dealt with depression and anxiety through the last two and a half years because I thought I wasn't good enough. That's why I wasn't getting hired. But God was working on something. But God. So here's my challenge to you. Really simple. Are you willing to let go? It's complete submission. Complete submission Peter finally let down the net. And then when he saw what happened, he went and fell at Jesus' feet and said, I'm sorry, my faith wasn't good. I will do whatever you ask me to do. And Jesus got down on his knees in front of Peter, weeping in front of him and said, follow me. Now, what I love about this is he got on Peter's level. He didn't say, come to me. He got down to Peter and he said, follow me. Jesus met Peter where he was in that moment. Jesus will meet you wherever you are right now in your moment. And if you let him, he can change your circumstance. I don't know how else to put it that way, but God is bigger than what you're going through. And you might be in a journey where you have no idea what the next couple of years looks like for you. And you've been trying your own path and it's not coming together. But God, immeasurably more, he has plans to prosper you. He has plans to take care of you. He can do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. God is on your side. That was a good word right there, huh? Yeah. So let's have Christy come in. We're going to pray over the, and your family, your kids. Um, in fact, the kids should, uh, Darlene, should we have the kids come in? Like, yeah. And I think Christy might be in the back room too with uh, Gabriel. Yeah. So we'll bring uh, Christy in and, uh, the kids and I think all the kids. So can we thank Shane for that word? What a great word, huh? Yeah. So Mark and Gary, come on up here. Kathy, you want to join us? I'm just going to lay hands on these guys. Kathy, you want to join us as well? Yeah. Bless them as we send them. Hey, sweetheart. You know what I love about you besides the fact you're just so adorable? I want to put you on a cracker, maybe a little bit of cream cheese and just eat you up. I love how you worship. I love how you love to worship. That's awesome. Both you guys. And you have prayed for my wife like every day, huh? Forever. I really appreciate how much you guys have prayed for my wife to be healed. Like all the time. It means so much to us. You guys are awesome. Give me some. Boom and boom. I got a white watch too. Look at that. Here we go. The Mims family. <laughs> oh, gosh. How precious is that? All right. And we're going to dedicate Gabrielle. Gabriel. Well, she said Gabrielle. You guys got to get worked out here. What are we going to call it? Okay, Gabriel. Nice. Gabriel. Okay. All right. Let's reach your hands out to these guys. Let's bless them. Mark, you want to go ahead? You've already said it, but uh, 
I think the Lord wants to underline it that there has been absolutely no wasted time in your journey. Not one, not one, not one hour, not one minute, not one experience. You have made it your goal to learn from difficulty. And you've made it your goal to be patient and to trust. And you're going to need that in this next season. Leadership carries with it that need for high trust. But you've already learned how to do that. Both of you have learned how to do that. And you're good at it. And now it's going to be exercised on a, on a weekly basis. But the reward is coming because you've been faithful in pursuing learning and growing being the best version of you you could be in every minute. You've really done that. Now you're going to be the best version of you in this new season, but you're going to do it with the power. It's going to be great power. Shane, the Lord says, I want you to take some risks in this ministry. I want you to... Uh, I want you to... Gosh. I want you to make promises that only I can fill which is really stepping out into an area of risk. You're going to call people out and have them stand up before you have a prophetic word for them. And then you're going to have a prophetic word for them and they're going to see things come true. It's going to be a demonstration of the power of God, the presence of the Lord in your meetings. Expect to see things you can't do. And God's going to fulfill those promises. Thank you, Lord. Amen. We're going to dedicate Gabriel. In the way that you have been so faithful, you are such a virtuous woman. Faithful, faithful, providing. You have been such a faithful, godly woman to this family. Great mama, great wife great Christian you know one pastor said to me at the end of uh, well the end of coming out of COVID when churches just blew apart he said we just have fewer disciples than we thought we did that's all you guys are true disciples you guys are true disciples of Jesus Christ Lord we bless this family we dedicate Gabriel to you Lord no, don't push my hand off. That's no. That's not the way we roll. No, that's not the way we roll. Lord, we lift up Gabriel before you and we dedicate him to you. We bless him in the name, name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And we pray, Lord, he is filled with the Spirit from a young age, that he hears the voice of God, that he feels your promptings in his heart, Lord that he recognizes the leading of the Spirit. Lord, we dedicate him to your Lordship and to your covering and your protection. In Jesus' name. Everybody says amen. Amen, amen. amen and amen. We love you guys so much. We're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. We're going to miss you. Amen. Amen. Thanks, you guys. Good word, man. Good word. Yeah, well, hey, let's all stand. And uh, if you're visiting here today, uh, we'd love for you to fill out a visitor card or go online or uh, the... You can use the QR code and fill out a guest form. We also want to pray for anybody. If you need physical healing in your body, you're believing God for a miracle, you just want somebody to pray over you and maybe God will speak to you. Maybe you're in darkness, you just can't see your way through and you just need to hear from the Lord. Our prayer teams are going to come up front here. I'm going to close in just a second. They're going to be up here and they're going to pray for you. Be ready to pray for you. And Jesus said, where two of you on earth agree as... Uh, asking anything that's in my father's will my father will do it and so that prayer of agreement is really a it's a power center on earth it's one of the places where it's a portal of heaven on earth is agreement and prayer and our prayer people are ready to believe for a miracle for you amen
Amen. All right. So I'm going to send out that email tonight with a link for you to join the prayer chain or the, uh, the 30 days of prayer, praying 30 minutes a day. I'll send it out tonight. So if you want to be on that or if you want to receive my congregational emails in general, uh, just email info at gatheringplacechurch.org and say I want to be part of Pastor John's congregational emails. Amen. All right. Hey, Josh, you going to take us out? Sure. What you got? Here we go. All throughout my history. Come on, church. Let's lift our voices to the Lord on our way out. Let's praise Him. Let's praise Him on our way out. Here we go. The winter storms wait for spring. And every season from where I'm standing, I see the evidence of your goodness. All over my life, all over my life, I see your promises. Sing it out. I see your promises in fulfillment. All over my life, all over my life. Help me remember when I. You lead my heart to victory. You are my strength, and you always will. All right, let's sing it. Come on. I see the evidence of your goodness all over my life. Come on, church. All over my life. All over my life, all over my life. See the cross, the empty grave, the evidence is endless. I think we need a drummer. Amen. God bless your family. We'll see you next Sunday. If you need prayer, please come up. The prayer teams will be here for you.